Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. When was the last time that you were in the middle of an experience that left you speechless? When was the last time that you experienced something or observed something that took your breath away? Where words failed, where you struggled to comprehend exactly what was happening, but in that moment you were filled with an unbelievable sense of wonder. An amazing, inspiring sense of awe and amazement that you were surprised and startled and shocked and you struggled to comprehend exactly what was happening in that moment. I've had a couple of these experiences in my life. One, I can remember when I stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, overlooking that massive chasm, trying to comprehend how the combination of time and water and moisture and erosion and weather could create something so magnificent, so incredible. The other effect that it had on me was not just a sense of wonder and amazement, but also of proportion and scale and my proper place in the world. It made me feel small, but not in a bad way. Insignificant, but not, you know, in a way that I should worry about. But it was like the proper reset of where I fit into the grander scheme of things. See, I think God has designed a wondrous world. He has created this world for us to experience moments like this. Instances like this where we are filled with wonder. It doesn't just have to happen in nature. Maybe for you, you went to the Grand Canyon, and it was hot that day, and it looked like a big hole, and there was not a lot of wonder that was uh, aroused in you that day. Maybe for you, you have found wonder in beautiful cathedrals. You walk into these places, these temples devoted to God that have been formed over hundreds of years with painstaking attention to detail. You see all of the carvings and the woodworking and the stone and the marble You see the way that the light refracts through the stained glass windows and you are filled with this unbelievable sense of awe, this sense of amazement and wonder. And it causes you to focus your gaze skyward in appreciation and admiration to God. Maybe for you, cathedrals don't do it either. Maybe it was the moment where you held your child for the first time after after it was born and you looked down at this beautiful, perfect thing And you can't believe you're feeling all of the things that you're feeling in that moment. Words have stopped being adequate because of the love that is bubbling up inside of you for this small, helpless child. Maybe for you, none of that is where you find wonder. Maybe for you, you find wonder in exhilarating experiences or collective experiences. And you long for the days when you can gather at music shows or concerts or Broadway plays. Because there's something in the performative arts that elicits something inside of you that allows you uh, to experience something greater than yourself. What I know is that wherever you find your wonder, we are all designed to experience it. We're all designed with a capacity to long for it, to search for it, to seek it out and to acquire it in greater and greater measure. I think, believe this is the way that God designed this whole system. He designed a world to be filled with created wonders that we had the capacity and the longing for, to acquire, to search for, to seek out. And we do so because the way that it is supposed to work is in the searching and the seeking These things that fill us with wonder are supposed to function as signs that point us to God. 
See, I believe that all created things are designed to point us to the Creator. That the wonder that we experience in the moments of creation help us to connect to and focus our worship and adoration of the Creator. I believe this is how it's supposed to work. This is most easily you know, seen in nature. You know, man didn't do a lot of that. And so when we are out there in the middle of the woods or find ourselves at the top of the mountain or standing on the shores of the ocean, we are filled oftentimes with this sense of awe. This is the excuse men give when they say that, you know, well, I just connect to God better in nature because they don't like coming to church. I buy part of it. There's a little bit of truth there. It's because we are designed to seek out and to search for wonder. And when we do, it oftentimes helps us connect and redirect our focus and attention to God. But we have to be careful in the way that we search for wonder. Because if we're not, what ends up happening is the created things, the experiences that we seek out, the moments that we long for, the visions of what we hope will happen that we know would be filled with wonder, the way that we pursue those things, those, we can allow those things to be end goals in and of themselves. So they stop being signs. They stop functioning as things that point us to God. But they stop being these small mini-gods in our life. And so we pursue those in greater and greater measure. Maybe an example of this for you is you love beautiful things. Maybe it's some tactile feel and experience that you have with them. You love nice clothing or you love nice furniture or nice jewelry. There's something about it that fills you with a sense of awe and wonder. And that is well and good until your awe and wonder stops directing you back towards God and it surrounds these things in and of themselves. And so where we search for wonder can often determine where the course of our life goes. We begin to pursue these things in greater and greater measure because we think that if we can have more of them, then we can have access to greater and more wonder. And so we begin to acquire these things and we begin to seek after more of these things. And because we need more money to purchase these things, to get them, we work harder and stay later at work so that we can have more of the things that we are longing for that fill us with wonder. Do you see how this works? It doesn't just have to be about material possessions. It could be about experiences. It could be about recognition. It could be about power. It could be about some type of physical experience. Any of these things that are designed to fill us with wonder, they're not bad. But the problem is we stop there. We stop letting them serve as signs that point us to God. We stop allowing them to continue us on this journey, focusing us back towards God. And we begin to make them greater than they're ever meant to be. See, that's the problem with the way that we search and and how we seek out wonder in our own lives. It's kind of like the way the binoculars work. We have these things and we're looking for wonder all around us. We're searching for it in our lives. And if you've ever used binoculars, you know how they work. They make things that seem far away look really close. And they do that through the power of magnification. And so as you look for something way off in the distance, what would be very, very small, even you know, unperceivable to the naked eye through the power of magnification seems much larger, much, more, you know, much closer, much more accessible than it actually is. Well, the way that we search for wonder works just like binoculars. You see, we search for these things and we see them and they seem large and significant and important. But then when we get them, when we acquire them, when we experience them, they often fail to live up to their true size, to the expectations that we have. And we're left 
unsatisfied and longing for more. And so we keep searching and we keep looking for wonder in our day-to-day lives, in our average, everyday, ordinary experiences. We look for wonder all around us in our relationships, in the attention that we might receive at work or the success that we might have in a particular area or the dream that we have of the perfect family or the perfect children. We think those things will be able to fill us with all of the wonder that we're searching for. Because when we look at them through our binoculars, we make them so much bigger than they really are. We have so much hope and expectation that we place upon them. And so we desire them and long for them in great measure. But as we see with binoculars, what we see from far away, what seems really large at a distance, once we acquire it, once it becomes closer, it's actually much smaller and less significant than it really is. And so what we're going to look at this morning is the proper way to search for wonder. And we're going to do do so through the story of a very unlikely young lady. She's very famous in the Christmas stories. Without her, none of this would happen. But I think Mary and her story can teach us a little bit about the proper way to search for wonder in our life. Because the temptation is to magnify all of the created things around us. To believe that they hold all of the wonder that we long for. That they, in the acquisition of those things, the experience of those things, the completion of those things, once we have that, it'll fill us with all of the joy and the satisfaction and the meaning and the fulfillment that we believe is ours. But inevitably, it doesn't, and it falls short. And so what Mary will show us today is how we can actually search for wonder the right way. Because what happens when we spend our life searching for wonder in the created things we miss out on experiencing the wonder of the Creator. And when we do that, our story becomes all about ourselves. Our story becomes about the ways that we can get the things that we feel like we need, that we can search for the things and acquire the things that we feel like we deserve that will make us happy, that will make us content, that will bring us joy or peace or comfort or security. And so we believe that the purpose of our life is to live our life in pursuit of these things, They fill us with these moments of wonder, and we believe that if we can get enough of them, we will be satisfied, and that should be the goal and the purpose of our life, is our own sense of satisfaction, our own sense of contentment, our own sense of peace and security. But by living this way, by searching for wonder in this manner, we miss out on this larger story that God is telling in the world, that God is doing in the world, that God is inviting us to participate in the world. And this is exactly what we find in Mary's story. So this morning we are going to be in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And this is what happens to Mary. I'm going to read through this first half pretty quick because this is the familiar part that we all are aware of. This is kind of the invitation that Mary experiences to participate in what God is doing. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, a very reasonable question, 
given that this was the message that the angel brought her. She says, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, good point. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So there's going to be something that goes on that we can't really explain. And therefore the child will be born to you, will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. And the angel mentions this to communicate the point that for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, this story is so familiar to us that we just gloss over and we just assume that, it will, of course, Mary says yes. But we have, well, we have to remember that Mary was a poor peasant teenage girl who was promised to be married to this man named Joseph. And then the angel shows up and brings her a message that says, Mary, the Lord is going to cause you to give birth to a child who's going to be the Messiah. You're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save and deliver his people from their sins. At this point, Mary should be scared, terrified, you know, run for cover. These just would be natural reactions to Mary in this moment. The other natural reaction would be, hang on, wait a minute, this kind of messes up my plans. You know, if, if Mary was the type of person who was so focused on kind of pursuing the ways that she wanted to seek out wonder in the world and her own experiences and the, and the acquisition of all that she longed for, this would be a major inconvenience. This would not be something that matches with the plan that Mary perhaps had for her life. But yet, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of this kind of confusion, a little bit of um, mystery and wonder, this is what Mary says back to the angel in response. Mary says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. And then Mary goes on to run to her cousin Elizabeth to talk about what had happened and they talk about, you know, why this was so amazing and incredible and uh, Elizabeth affirms to Mary what the angel had said to Mary and and this is all well and good, but I think what I want to point out to us today is the reason that I believe that Mary was able to participate in the story that God was wanting to write with Mary. The thing that God was wanting to do in Mary is, I mean, again, we have to remember that it wasn't determined in advance that Mary would say yes. I believe Mary had the power of free choice, but she was present enough. She was open enough. She was, uh, her eyes were wide awake enough for her to be able to recognize that God was trying to do something in the world, and he was inviting her to be part of the story. And then Mary says yes to this invitation. And so my hope for us today is that we can learn in the same way from Mary that uh, there's a story waiting to be written that is still being written that we have the opportunity to participate in. But I don't want us to miss the invitation. I don't want us to be so consumed with our own pursuits of the ways that we can capture and experience wonder in our own life in the created things that we miss this invitation from the Creator Himself. And so I want to look at what follows next in this story. And this is where I want to spend just a little bit of our time because I think it will help us understand how we too can say yes to the invitation that God's extending to us. How we can discover the wonder that points us back to the Creator. So this is what happens later at the end of the first chapter in the Gospel of Luke. Mary has this moment where she sings this song. Maybe it's a prayer. We're not really sure. 
but it's famous and it's called the Magnificat. And this is a Latin word from which we get this word magnify. It's the same type of magnify that leads to the word magnification that is the founding principle of how binoculars work. They magnify things, they make them appear larger up close than they really are. They expand, they enhance, they accentuate that which you are focused on. And the choice for us, as Mary demonstrates, is in our search for wonder, we get to choose what we magnify in our own life. We get to choose what we focus on and make it appear larger than it really is, or make it appear in proper kind of perspective as it should be. Because the way that we make mistakes, the way that we kind of mess up our search for wonder, is we apply the magnification to the wrong things. We apply the magnification to these moments in our lives, to the acquisition of nicer things, or to a certain vacation, or to a certain type of person that we want to spend our life with, or to any of the other things that we believe hold meaning, security, promise, peace, joy, the cessation of anxiety. These are the things that we long for in this life. This is where our energies are spent. This is where we spend our time and our money and our resources because we have magnified these things to be larger than they really are. But what Mary shows us is that the way that we can be present enough to accept the invitation that God offers is when we magnify the correct things. And so this is what Mary says in her prayer, in her song, in this Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Of all the things that Mary longs for, of all the things that Mary enlarges in importance in her life, what Mary magnifies most is the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will consider me highly favored. For the mighty, the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. The opportunity when we experience moments of wonder, like we discussed earlier, is that they should serve as signs. They should serve as indicators that point us back to the wonder of God to magnify God, to expand and enlarge God in our own life. Where we fall short is we allow the magnification to be on the created things themselves. And this is what Mary teaches us, is that all that happens in our life, all that exists in our life, should point us back to the magnification of what God is doing in our life. And so this is what Mary does. She looks across her life, she surveys her life and the experiences that she's had, and she recognizes that any of those moments of wonder, any of those experiences were instances of God at work in her own story. But it's not just that God is at work in her story, but God is inviting her to participate in a story of the way that he's been at work in the world this entire time. And so this is where Mary goes next. She says, he shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and those with arrogant hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. What Mary notices is 
that there are constant opportunities to be pointed back to the wonder of God. There are constant moments in our life, there are constant experiences that we encounter, there are constant ways that created things are functioning as signs that point us back to the way that God is at work in the world. And Mary says, when we magnify the proper thing, when we magnify what God is doing in the world, when we magnify the ways that these things that fill us with wonder point us back to God, the way that we will see them more and more and more frequently. It's kind of like the way that it works when you buy a new car. The moment that you buy a new car, all of a sudden you have kind of magnified your focus on this particular model and make of car. And then what happens next? As we all know, you end up seeing the car that you just purchased everywhere. You're like, I didn't realize there were so many black Jeeps in the world. Because you hadn't been focused on that before. But now that you have one, and the way that you've magnified it in your own life, you start to notice it over and over and over again all throughout the world. This happens with car, everything you know, in addition to cars. So if you long for a certain thing, if you magnify a certain thing in your life, you see instances and opportunities of it everywhere. So for you, if it's longing for a, you know, this picture-perfect family, if that's what you've magnified in your life, all that you'll notice is all of the ways that people seem to have perfect families except you. You'll start to spend more time focused on social media and the, and the portrayals of these perfect families. You'll be gravitated to TV shows and movies and songs and all of the instances where we portray perfect families. Because that's the thing that you've focused on. That's the thing that you have placed your magnification over. It has become larger in importance in your life. And so you start seeing instances of it everywhere. And as you start to see instances of it everywhere, you begin to be drawn towards trying to acquire it, to achieve it, to you know, have it in your life, to experience it in your life. And Mary's saying where we should place our magnification should be on the works of God. It should be on the ways that God is at work behind the things that we're drawn to. And so this idea, this quest for a perfect family, maybe what you're longing for is the way that you know, God is calling you to change how you live your life. Maybe it's this way that God is calling you to understand a different type of relationship that you have with your children. I don't know what it is for you. But what I know is that these signs are meant to just be that, signs that point us to God. And so what Mary's trying to teach us is that God has been at work in the world and when we place our magnification over the right places and the right areas, these things will lead us to God and we'll be able to see instances of God's activity more and more and more. And not just in the world, but Mary notices them in her own life. And I think this is important for us for where we find ourselves in this December at the end of 2020. When we focus on all of the things that we don't have, when we magnify all of the ways that our life right now doesn't look like we want it to, all of the things that we're lacking, that we're going without, all of the limitations and restrictions, all of the things that aren't as we wished that they were, what happens when that's where we place our magnification? What happens when that's where we place our focus? They expand. They grow. We find more instances of the ways that those things exist in our life. We find more instances where we don't have enough, where we're wishing that there was more, where we're lacking, where we're deficient, where there's mo uh, cause for anxiety or fear or worry. All we see is what isn't there. And as we focus on what isn't there, we realize that there's more and more that isn't there. I think 
that's what I see happening around our community, and I think that's the, I think one of the reasons that I am you know so hesitant and cautious of kind of modern you know news outlets is because that's all of they're focusing on. They place this magnification over scarcity, over fear, over the lack of, and it causes us to look for those instances in our life. Mary says, no, no, no. The way that we're supposed to search for wonder, the way that we're supposed to conduct ourselves in this world is to place our magnification over the instances of God's activity, what God is doing in the world, what God is doing in our world. And so what would it look like as we move closer to this Christmas holiday and this celebration if you begin to change the way that you're searching for wonder? What would it look like if you begin to take out your binoculars and you begin to look for the ways that God is at work in your life? The good things that exist, the way that God is at work, the way that God has placed certain relationships in your life, the way that God has given you enough where you have more than you need. I think that it would profoundly change our experience as we end this year and move into the next year if we begin to magnify the works of God in our life and the works of God in the world around us. Because when we do that, what we recognize, as Mary recognized, is that there is an invitation for us to play in the story that God is writing in the world. The point of our life shouldn't be the acquisition of stuff that we think is going to make us happy or fill us with the longing and the fulfillment and the contentment that we hope for. The purpose of our life is to play a part in the larger story that God is telling. And Mary gets this right and she shows us how. She was able to observe and recognize and accept the invitation to play a part in this incredible story that God was doing in the world. Why? Because her magnification was on the ways that God was at work in the world. She was paying attention to what God was doing. The ways that God had been faithful throughout the centuries. The way that God had been faithful and true and at work in the lives of her ancestors and in her people and her friends and her family. And the way that God had been at work in her own life. And so that would be my challenge to us this morning is that we would reevaluate the way that we are searching for wonder. I cause you to reevaluate the way that you are magnifying the things in your life. What are you placing your binoculars over? What are you zooming in on? What are you focusing in on? Is it things that point you to God? Or is it things that cause you to focus your efforts and energies on, you know, trying to get more of the scarcity, the lack of abundance? Maybe do a little bit of inventory about what you're magnifying in your life right now. What I know is that when we magnify what God is doing in the world, we can access wonder in a deeper and more meaningful way. And we can recognize the invitation that God has extended to us to play a part in the story that he is telling in the world. And ultimately, when we can get that right, when we magnify what God is doing in our life and doing in the world around us, we're filled with all the wonder that we need. Because these created things were meant to point us to the creator, not to be the things that we spend our life in pursuit of, but to help us re focus on the one who we should pursue instead. So let me pray for our time together this morning, and we'll close out our service. Gracious God, thank you for today and this opportunity to be reminded of the way that you've created this world filled with wonder. You've created us with the capacity to experience that wonder and place within us a desire to search for the wonder in our own lives. God, help us not to forget that the search for wonder is ultimately designed to be a search for you, to recognize the way that you're at work in the world and to help us to play a part in it. God, don't let us miss your invitation. 
Help us to focus on you and to magnify you in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.